You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. If you would make your way uh, in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going Old Testament this morning. Good to have you guys with us. How's it? You guys doing all right? All two of you. Praise the <laughs> Lord. You guys are doing. I know. It's, it's early for me too. I'm, I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to forgive you for making us go to 8 a.m., but it's okay. We'll, we'll work through this. Um, hey, we're humbled to have you with us today. My name's Travis. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, my primary responsibility is, is just teaching through the Word of God. We have other men godly men who help us lead this church, and we have great volunteers uh, every single Sunday who commit their time, and not just on Sundays, but throughout their week. And so if you would, for a moment, thank everyone who volunteers to make Sunday worship gatherings happen. Uh, We are so, so thankful for you, and we appreciate you, and we just want to let you know that. And um, today is a special day because um, we're going to see what God would have to say to us through his word. We believe that the primary way that God speaks to us is through the scriptures, is through his word. And when the Bible speaks, we believe that it's God who is speaking. And so we're thankful to have you here. So hopefully you have made your way to Isaiah chapter 40. It's important that, um, that we are together seeing what God would speak to us. And so whether you turn on your Bibles or you brought a paged Bible, that is to say, analog, I guess, old school. Um, Go ahead, make your way there. And uh, no matter where you're at in life, uh, the journey that you're on, we want you to know that um, all of us in here are imperfect. And we all collectively together have one thing in common, and that is that we all are in desperate need of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so um, if you are a sinner, if you are struggling with doubts, if you are here because Um, you're trying to run away from something or you have different struggles that you have within your life that you're trying to face. We believe as a church that in Jesus, all the answers that we are seeking for are fully fulfilled in him. And so through the reading of God's word and through this time in the Bible, we pray that God's spirit would reveal those things to be true to you. Um, You're invited to join us next Sunday. We are beginning a new series through the Lord's Prayer. So we want you to be reading ahead. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for several Sundays. And so be reading ahead, be saturating your mind and your heart and your soul in those truths. Memorize the Lord's Prayer. Make it your, make the Lord's Prayer. Make it your devotion. And uh, as we are beginning to move forward to start this new series, in order for us to really prepare our hearts what God would have for us, we believe that internalizing and memorizing the Scriptures um, will be an extreme, uh, just such a great blessing for us as a church. And make sure you're on mission. Be inviting people to come to church next Sunday as we begin this new series. And uh, today, though, we have the opportunity to really to look at a text um, of, of my choosing. We don't always get to do that, but today is a blank canvas between series. And so um, really have this blank canvas before us. And it's like, all right, Lord, what have you been teaching me and, and recently and and some things that maybe I can just share with you that the Lord's been teaching me through his word. And so today uh, is no different. Today's sermon is probably more for me than it is for you. But I do pray that it would be a word fitly spoken 
that God would bless you through the reading of his word. And so for that, let's all stand right now for the reading of God's word. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to pick it up in verse 27. And this is the word of the Lord. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint, O grow grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Heavenly Father, we believe this to be your word. Right now, as your people, as your church, we submit our lives under your authority. We place ourselves under the authority of the scriptures and we believe that your word is greater than our opinions. That all things that are given in your word help us live a life of godliness. That they And that in the reading of your scripture, in this moment, God, that by the power of your spirit, you would reveal the glory of Jesus. You would show us our great need for Jesus. And that you would, through the reading of your word, shape us and mold us into the image of who you would have us become. So Lord, I ask that I would decrease, that, that, that you would increase, that this would not just be some thoughts and some good ideas, but that as we make our way through the scriptures, our lives would be renewed and transformed. So Jesus, open the eyes of our heart. We need understanding, so grant us understanding by your grace, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to be completely honest with you. By nature, I am, I've never been described as a patient person. Like, t- to be honest, I, I, I hate waiting. You, you t- some of you are like, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, right? I'm glad I'm not the only one up here who struggles with that. And it may or may not have something to do with the fact that I am just not good at waiting at all. Like I'm not good at it. When I'm on the phone with tech support and I'm dealing with an issue with my computer or uh, something was wrong on a bill and they tell me, Mr. Scott, can I please place you, pl- place you on hold? I get, I get frustrated. I just do, right? Uh, those things bother me a little bit. Or when I'm dragging myself into a coffee shop and I'm needing life and there's a line nearly out the door I get frustrated, especially when the very person, when it's finally my turn to go, the person in front of me decides to order coffee for like half the island, right? And it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit frustrating. I don't, you know, when I go to the doctors and, you know, you sign in, maybe you know too, the, the receptionist will say, what? The doctor will be with you shortly. 
And you know what that means, right? Shortly in doctor language and means we'll be with you in maybe an hour, right? And so that's the struggle that I have. And, and maybe you do too, that, that, that waiting is something that is frustrating. Waiting is something that I don't like. Waiting is something that is always an inconvenience and gets in my way. And so we as a culture are always trying to make waiting is easier or just eliminate waiting altogether. That's why when you are put on hold to make the wait easier when you're on phone, what do they play? Music. And it's usually terrible, but they play music, right? And if you want food from one of your favorite restaurants, now they have this thing called, I mean, it's had it for a while, but they have this thing called takeout. So you can actually get the food that you want to eat without even having to sit down, wait for a table, wait for the waiter to bring you waters, wait for the waiter to bring you the food. You can take the food that you want, go home and enjoy the convenience of that. Whether it be waiting for those things or tracking packages to make the wait easier, which for me is self-inflicting. I am absolutely obsessed with tracking packages. I ordered, it's like, why is it sitting in Phoenix for two days? I need to call, so I'll call you. Why is my package sitting? And so it actually has made it more difficult than really it should be, but it's supposed to eliminate the wait, apparently, for you to be able to track packages. Even, even Disney has figured this out. You know, um, a few years ago, they, they rolled out this thing in Disneyland um, called Fast Passes. And what you do is when you first go into the park, they have a certain time frame where you can get a Fast Pass. And so you, you take your ticket that you got into the park or the pass that you have and you slide it and it gives you a time frame window. So instead of standing an hour and a half in line, you can stand 20 minutes in line. That is all to eliminate the wait or to make the wait, if we are having to wait, at least easier. So hear what I'm not saying right now. What I'm not saying is we should find ways to live our life with less convenience. That we should um, pick the longest line when we're at checkout. That, that we should um, uh, really despise all things technology because, well, you know, waiting is, you know, we, we, we don't want to deal with that, the, the, the inconvenience of those things. I'm not trying to say that somehow convenience is the enemy, but we can be so conditioned by convenience that we have lost the art of waiting. Now, of all the places here in the islands, like we are a patient culture more than the rest of the world, right? We live life at a slower pace. We understand these things. In fact, when we pull up to a four-way stop, when you pull up to a four-way stop, it's like, no, you go, auntie. No, 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 you go, uncle. No, you go, cuz. And we're like waving at each other, maybe even decide to have a conversation in the middle of a four-way stop. We even tell one another, we have our like little own cultural things that we tell, like, try wait, right? Try wait. Just chill out. Just, just mellow. And so even waiting and patience is woven within our culture. But I'm telling you, you get stuck behind that Malahini who's driving, doesn't know how to drive, and they have no idea where they're going. Or you get stuck on Queen K at 4 o'clock, 45 minutes, 3 miles, just trying to go to Costco. And even us in this culture, when we're finally at Costco, we have our cart full of food. What are we doing when we're about to go out at checkout? We are scanning, right? What are you, what are you scanning for? They have you know, a couple items in each cart. And that's, even though there's only five carts here, over here they have one cart but they have the whole store in that cart. And so we're trying to figure out and we're trying to calculate ways to what? Eliminate the weight. 
So even here in our culture, we have been conditioned by convenience, and often we don't even realize it. So what we're going to do today is look at one of the hardest things that God tells us to do. Wait. Wait for the Lord. See, all things instant, even though we don't realize it, all things instant feed the idolatry of convenience. And because of this, waiting has become the enemy of which we always try to find ways to defeat. But instead of being conditioned by the cultural narrative, instead of us being conditioned by our circumstances, even though we all do it and we may not even realize it, today we look to the scriptures to have our minds renewed. So the context of Isaiah chapter 40 is that God has been merciful and extremely faithful to Israel. God has made a covenant with these people and God has perfectly kept his covenant. He's been perfectly faithful to them, even though they have not been faithful to him. They have cheated on God with other gods. They have forsaken the one true and living God to worship idols. They've disobeyed. They have been unfaithful. And so God will bring judgment upon them. And this judgment that God is going to bring upon them, this judgment that is being announced at the beginning of the book of Isaiah will eventually lead to the Babylonian captivity, this exile that will last for about 70 years. Israel will be enslaved. They will be held captive because of their sin. And they will have in this enslavement, in this captivity, a loss of hope. So really the theme of chapter 40 and the next few chapters of Isaiah is the supremacy of God above the challenges of life. That God is greater and that God is supreme and that God is our salvation above any of the circumstances of our life. And this will be prophetic for Israel as they will eventually be held in captivity. And in their circumstances they will feel like they have been forgotten by God. In fact, that's what we read at the beginning, if you look down with me, of of chapter 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Their frustration has left from groanings in their soul to verbal frustration. Maybe you can even sense some bitterness here. Maybe even a little bit of anger here. God's left us out to dry. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? So they have been grumbling, they have been complaining. We know this about God, about Israel. He has heard their complaints the entire time, has he not? And it's no different here. Like through the prophet Isaiah, God hears their complaints, addresses their complaints because they've been speaking it. They are in despair, they are in hopelessness. And when God seems to be distant, or non-existent in their life, they feel forgotten, forsaken. And is that not true for our own lives? 
that oftentimes when we have needs that have not been met by God, we've given prayer requests to him that seem to be falling on deaf ears, when we are in hopelessness, when God seems distant or not at all involved with the struggles of our life or with the pains that we've inflicted upon ourselves? Is this not the cry of our own life? My way is hidden from the Lord. God has turned a blind eye towards me. He is no longer interested in my life. It's when we who are unfaithful question the faithfulness of God. And instead of waiting upon the Lord in this season, in these difficult times, we revert to our own strength, right? If you go down, look at, look at verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Now, as, as I've become a father and have three boys, I've found this to be true. Now, I would not consider myself um, very old, but my children have just the source of energy and vitality that it just even blows me away. I mean, they go from dawn till dusk, 3,000%, and, and they will, it doesn't matter if they go to bed at 8 o'clock, 7.30, or midnight, they're up at 6 the next morning. It's just the way life goes. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm still trying to play catch up on sleep from the last several years. It's which is impossible, right? But youth, and they have this vigor and they have this strength even from within, this, from within themselves that they have. But, but here we're even told, when you rely upon your own strength, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Now this is important for us to know because at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, things could not have been better for the nation of Israel. I mean, they are rolling it. Their pockets are deep. They are successful. They have a large army. Um, spiritually, they're a mess, but all these other things in their life are seemingly well put together. Things could not be going better. And one of the many reasons God calls the prophet Isaiah to rebuke the nation of Israel is because of where they have placed their hope and their trust. Like you can read at the beginning of this book, there are all these different woes that are given. Hey, woe to you. Woe to you. Woe to you. And then, of course, Isaiah famously says, woe to me when he sees the glory of God. But as these woes are given, judgment comes from God. Judgment is declared from God because Israel has been unfaithful. Listen, they've relied upon their own strength. And that, in fact, is what has made them weak. And that's often what God does, right? Like Israel, we face consequences for placing our hope and other things in God. And the same God who gives blessing is also the same God who can take away. And when God takes away things we once placed our hope in, like Israel, we feel forgotten. But it's the loving kindness of God ridding us of our self-sufficiency, of our self-energy, of our own strength, our own autonomy. Because self-sufficiency is self-deprivation. 
when we hope in ourselves, our strength fails. It's a hope misplaced, and hope misplaced leaves us exhausted. So much so that even the youth shall faint and be weary, young men shall fall exhausted. So are you exhausted right now? Have, have you been weary? It may be because you've been self-sufficient, relying upon your own strength, relying upon your paycheck, relying upon your savings, relying upon your title, relying upon your identity, relying upon how others view your life, relying upon moral behavior. And if you are exhausted and weary, it may be because you have become self-sufficient. And self-sufficiency is self-deprivation. It's true for Israel, and it's true for us. So what then? All right. You outed me, <laughs> Isaiah. He's outed me on this. What then? Okay, I, I'm weary. I'm, I'm exhausted. W what does my soul need? To be reminded of God's nature and God's character. To be, remind, to be reminded of the supremacy and the greatness and the glory of God. Because right after we read, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my right hand is disregarded by my God. Here it is, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard? It's an appeal to our knowledge. It's an appeal to our understanding. It's an appeal to our hearing. You've been saying these things, but have you not been listening? Have you not had this intellectual knowledge, this understanding about what God says about himself? And what has God declared about himself? What has God said about himself? Have you not known, verse 20, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and in him who has no might, he increases strength. What God says about himself in the scriptures is more important than how we feel in the moment of our circumstances. To the weak, to those who are waiting, to those who are forgotten, Isaiah is implying here, think rightly about God in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your bitterness towards God, in the midst of God removing things from your life. You need to think that even though things may be taken away from you or things may be temporal or you can't make sense of your life, he is the author of creation. God is everlasting. His nature and his character, he is unchanging. And while you may change and while you may fail, his faithfulness towards you never fails. He never gets tired. He never wears out. I love what it even says there. His understanding is unsearchable.
Believing these things to be true about God should define our circumstances and reality. We should not allow the circumstances of our life to define and our emotional state to define what we're going through. We believe and embrace, church, that God is everlasting. Is that what you believe? Do you believe this morning that God is everlasting? Praise God. He is an everlasting God. So verses 28 and 29 speak of why we should wait. Then verse 31 conveys what it means to wait. Look at verse 31 with me. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You know this, right? They shall, walk, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to draw your attention to that word in verse 31. But they who wait. There it is. Wait on the Lord. Do you know what this word in the original Hebrew means, wait? It's actually a twofold, it has, it has two meanings here, this, this word, wait. The, the, the first meaning of the word wait here is, 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 is a reference to time, that, that it's a reference to time, a length of time, that as it, it's, a, it's a waiting in reference to time, but it's a two-sided thing here as well. Waiting is also a reference to hope. In fact, maybe even some of your translations as you read and you look at this verse, it may even say hope there, which is, which is actually a good translation of the word wait. So when the scriptures speak of waiting, do you realize that it's more than just a reference of time? Because waiting is not just about time. Waiting is about trust. It's about hope. It's about resting on the promises of God. And contrary to what we think, no hope or time is wasted waiting on God. And if you've been going through this season of your life where you feel like it's wasted time because God has not come through on his promises, or so you think, though he fully delivers on all of his promises, it's not time wasted. And so maybe you've been desiring to be married, but you're waiting for the right person. You've been waiting. Maybe you've been trying to have a child and infertility has been bothering you and you're waiting. Maybe you've been trying to look for a new job and you've been applying and you've been applying and you're waiting. Maybe you've lost someone that you love and you're waiting to see them one day again or maybe someone you love is trying to recover from a sickness and you're waiting. Maybe you've been praying and asking of God and you're waiting. I, I cannot exhaust all the things that you're going through. But time spent waiting on the Lord is time that is not wasted. God, in fact, we don't have time to go there, but God will sovereignly appoint seasons of waiting to reveal where your hope is placed. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And what I love about this truth right here is this. God strengthens those who wait for him. 
God strengthens those who wait for him. See, in our culture, waiting is viewed as a weakness, right? It's, viewed, it's not viewed as a strength. Yet we are promised by God, hey, you wait on me. You hope in me. You place your trust in me. And when you realize that I am everlasting, that I am unchanging, that to the ends of the earth, I am sovereign over and I have created all things. I never tire and I never get exhausted. I am the one who will lift you up. I am the one who will strengthen you. And even when young men on their own strength will grow weary and will faint, God's strength will enable you to run and you will not grow, you will not faint we get weary and walk and you will not faint. God's strength is what enables us to continue to keep on going. Look at the promise given in verse 29. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. God uses the inconvenience of life to reveal his strength and our weakness. And when we think waiting becomes the obstacle keeping us from what we want, when in reality waiting becomes the means to delay us from what we want, to reveal all we truly need is in Jesus. And God amplifies, exemplifies his strength in our weakness, in our waiting. Isn't that what Paul prayed? When he told the Corinthian church that it is a thorn in his flesh and he has been inflicted, and three times I prayed. And what did God speak to him? What did God tell him? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You are at your strongest when you are at your weakest because in your weakness is where God's strength is revealed. Do you realize that our dependency upon the Lord is 100%? Apart from him, we can do nothing. See, waiting is, is not just about time, but it's also about trust. It's about resting on the promises of God. Now, if, if you would um, leave just for a moment, keep a bookmark in Isaiah chapter 40 and make your way to Philippians chapter 4. It's going to be verse 19. I, I just want us to highlight how these promises are, are, are true. And, and we could, you could spend, could take a whole series to really talk about all of these things, but uh, about God's promises. But just to reinforce what, what Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, that he gives bow, power to, this, to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul declares this, And my God will supply every need of, your, of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, so my God will supply every Need. Notice he doesn't say want there, but he says every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
Because what can happen is we can get overly spiritual in this. Like, yeah, this is great. Just wait upon the Lord. But I want you to know that our waiting is not some abstract waiting. Like, it's, it's like ethereal. It's kind of like, oh, well, just kind of try to figure out and try to make sense of it. Our waiting is expectantly hoping God will meet our every need. It's not, hope is not a wishful thinking. Hope is a expectation, a placing of trust, a placing of weight, a placing of belief upon that God will deliver on the promises that he said he would. Believing that if you are weak and God will make you strong in your weakness, according to what resources does God make that promise? So you see, our waiting is not abstract. Our waiting is expectantly hoping that God will meet our every need. And so because of this, listen, we don't have to look to our ohana, our family, our friends for hope. We don't have to turn to this culture and to try to find our place and our identity and our purpose. Or we don't have to turn to sin to meet needs that we think will gratify us. We believe that Jesus truly supplies our every need. And our strength to delay instant gratification comes when we wait upon the Lord. So when God makes promises to us, whether it be Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, that he will give strength to the weak. Or Philippians 4, 19, that God will supply our every need according to the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus. When God makes these promises, know this, it's not like our promises. You know, like, let's just say it's a family day, Right? And it's one of the kids, their favorite day of the week next to Sunday. They love Sunday. They love coming to church. But, but really next to that, they love family day, which for us is, is Monday. That's our day off. It's kind of our Sabbath. And so they're always like, all right, dad, mom, what, what, what's, what's happening next family day? What's happening next family day? And so, you know, we've, we've made some plans. I've, I've made some promises, right? And, and all right, kids, we're, we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to go exploring. We're going to go on a hike. We're going to go to that waterfall that we're wanting to. And we're, we're going to swing on that rope swing. And we're going to land in the water. And we're just going to go exploring. We're going to have a great time. now. So I can make promises, right, as a father. And I'm going to do my best to be able to deliver on those promises. But what if it's raining? Just like not raining, like little rain, but just like torrential downpour, Right? Like, what if the car breaks down on the way? What if I get really sick? I just wake up that morning and I get extremely sick. Do you see? My promises have limits because I am not sovereign. My promises are limited because of my abilities. But when God makes promises to us, His promises are backed, we are told, according to Philippians chapter 4, by the riches of his glory. So when God makes a promise to you that he's going to strengthen you and that in strengthening you, he's going to meet every need of you, it's not an empty promise. His promises are based upon his abilities and his abilities are limitless because God is fully sovereign. 
He makes promises based on his nature and his character. And we just read in verse 28 that he is everlasting. That he does not faint, that he does not grow weary. And so when God promises that he is going to strengthen you, his promises are based on his resources, based on his nature and his character. Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is everlasting? He is creator God and he is sovereign over all things. He is altogether powerful. And guys, what I'm so convicted and yet encouraged and built up by the same time by this is this, that you wait upon him. You will receive strength from him. And so whatever you're going through right now, as you're waiting, Place that weight, place your rest, your trust, and your hope in God. See, to be a worshiper of God, to be chosen by him, to be unconditionally loved by God. Even when we did not love God, God had love for us first. To be identified as a child of God means that the life of a believer is, a, is one of waiting. This morning, I want us to weave this into our thinking of Christianity and our faith. That the life of faith for the believer is one of waiting. 31 chapters earlier, one of the most incredible promises in all of Scripture is given. It's something that we often read about in Advent. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we are told, you know it, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, imagine for a moment, you're Isaiah. You're like, I can't wait to preach this message. This preaches well. And imagine even the people uh, uh, hearing those truths. Yeah, give me a wonderful counselor. Give me a mighty God. Give me the Prince of Peace, an everlasting Father. I want that. One of the most amazing promises ever given but when is this promise fulfilled? 700 years later. God's people had to wait centuries for the promised coming Messiah. And now that Jesus has come, we think our wait is over. But now we as Christians in this church age wait as much as ever anticipating the return of Jesus. We are waiting for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ for we believe he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And how long have we been waiting in this church age? 2,000 years and still counting. I want us to weave into our thinking the biblical truth that our faith is marked by waiting. 
And not just waiting, but a waiting that is a trusting, a waiting that is a hoping, a waiting is that of an expectation. Now a note in passing here, we, we really don't have time to, to get into it. I just want you to see the type, what, what type of waiting this is, what this waiting is not. It's not a apathetic, it's not a passive waiting. This, this waiting is in the Lord is active, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So there is a renewal process that's happening in the waiting. As we wait upon the Lord, this is not an idle time. It's a, it's a time of renewal, of a strength that comes from God. And as the result of this waiting, as the result of God giving strength to us in the wait, see what happens in the wait. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. So this is a active, moving forward, a mounting up, a running, a walking type of a trust, a weight. But in closing, I want us to Remember this. Our waiting is a reminder of God's gracious patience toward us sinners. Has God not been patient with us? Has he not been slow to anger? He is long-suffering. He is incredibly patient. Do we deserve any of the gracious patience that God has given toward us? Not at all. But 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness. But he is patient toward us. Why is God patient toward us? not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is long-suffering. He is patient with rebellious Israel, and he is going to send his only son to die for a people who would reject him. So the delay or the wait is the act of God's grace towards sinful men so that those who are his would come to know him in repentance. See, in Jesus, we have the ultimate picture of God's patience with sinful man. Have you seen what Christ Jesus has done for you? And is your hope placed in this Jesus? He is patient toward you. He came to this earth leaving a crown of heaven for a feeding trough on this earth. He lived a life of 33 years to die for a people who did not love him, to give righteousness to them when they would give nothing in return, to endure cross, the cross obediently 
to the point of death. The most horrific agony anyone would ever face with patience to purchase sinful man like you and me. So not only does, God nat- does God's nature and character remind us of why we should wait, of how we should wait, but the gospel is a reminder that Christ's sacrifice in waiting was far greater than any sacrifice we have to make for him in waiting. He is patient toward you. He is specifically patient toward you this morning. Have you repented? Have you believed? Have you placed your hope in Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Gracious God, we are so appreciative of all that you've done for us. That you were endured so much that you would give of your body and that you would shed of your blood to purchase a people for yourself. So Lord, whatever the struggles that people may be going through right now, whatever angst we have in our soul, in this, just in this moment briefly, God, we want to be still and know that you are God. Christian, right now, in this moment, of prayer, just be still and know that he is God. God, we believe that you are everlasting. We believe that you are creator. We believe that you do not faint and that you do not grow weary. And may we believe that you will supply our every need according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. For us who wait upon the Lord, God, you will renew our strength. May you renew strength this morning. And if you do not know this Jesus, that we've declared. If you've placed your hope and your own energy, your own strength, you are self-sufficient. Confess and repent those sins. Know that Christ Jesus has endured a great sacrifice, given a great sacrifice to purchase you from your sin. So Lord, We believe you to be good. We believe you to be God. That our way is not hidden from you and that we have not been disregarded by you. We thank you for the promises that you've made toward us, not because we deserve it, but because of who you are. 
We thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship.